Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Today's an exciting day. It's one of my favorite days of the year. You'll see why at the end of the service. This is a day where we challenge people to get involved. It's not a coincidence. It worked out great time-wise that the next step class is today. And uh, it's, it's God's will for you to serve. Can I get an amen? In other words, don't, don't be, God doesn't have bench warmers. He wants you to be involved in some way. Everybody's got different ways, but today's a good day to say, God, I want you to use me this year. I want, I want to be used for your kingdom. And that's what the message is going to be about. You can see behind me, this is our theme for 2024. The harvest is now. Amen? How many know our, that we're good at procrastinating? Is anybody good in here at procrastinating? We're all, we are all in a sense, even if you're a very organized person, we are good at putting things off. We're good at making excuses. We're good at saying, I'll do it later. And if you don't believe that, how many know that we can learn a lot from kids? Our grandson, Briar, has learned how to say later. Whether it's for his benefit or ours, he has learned to say those words. So if a two and a half year old can say later, that means that we can learn it. And we put things off. And God wants us to have right now a sense of urgency. How many know that every time the the year turns to a new year, we are closer to the return of Jesus? We are closer to what the Bible predicts is going to be a horrible time on this earth where a lot of pain is going to come and a lot of judgment's going to come and a lot of things are going to happen. And we need to get people saved now. That's why the the harvest is not tomorrow, it's not next year, it's now. Jesus in Luke 19, I don't have this up on the thing, but he says, he came to seek and save that which was lost. How many remember when you were lost? How many are glad you're found this morning? Amen. Are you thankful this morning that you're not who you used to be? Amen. The Denton Police Department is thankful, I can tell you that right now. Amen. And we also know that Jesus said in the, in the Gospels of Matthew 28 and Mark 16, go, go do something for me. Go preach the gospel. Go get out of your comfort zone. Go tell people that I am good news. How many know we got good news this morning? The good news is the bad news is wrong. We were lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. We didn't have a purpose, but now we do. We were hopeless, but now we have hope. Amen. We were lost, but now we're saved. And so there's good news today. And God has something for all of us to go tell. And so we got to go and preach the gospel, which is the good news of salvation to the whole world. And so with that sense of urgency, I want to show you 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Because salvation is God's heart. Jesus came to seek and save that was his loss. He came down to earth to save people's souls. And to make this simple this morning, for those that might be here for the very first time in your life, you've never been to church, tell the person next to you that's right next to you, say, you're a sinner. Tell them. You're a sinner. Now tell that person back, but you're a greater sinner. (laughs) Amen. How many know we're all sinners? All of us, all have sinned, Romans says, and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in the same position, not just us here in America, but around the world. We're born into sin. We have a sin nature. We're lost. We need hope. We have, we have uh, uh, judgment waiting for us. We have, uh, we're born with a spiritual age, so to speak. Our blood is, it has leukemia in it spiritually. We need a Savior. God said, I'm going to leave heaven and come down to earth. 
I'm going to abide with my people, God with us, like we talked at Christmas, and I'm going to die for my people. I'm going to die for the whole world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. Today, there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people going into eternity. Right now, I love to read this stat, not because I like this stat, but because it's alarming, and it should give us a sense of an urgency. I remember a couple years ago, Pastor Dwayne, which is preaching in Wichita Falls today in his church that they've started a couple weeks ago, preached a message, and he gave a stat of how many people were dying every day. And I remember it was a couple years ago that that stat was 120,000 people a day. Today in 2024, 166,000 people, 324 people are dying every day. So every day, if Denton was 150,000, just so to speak, every day that goes by, Denton disappears. The entire population of Denton dies every single day. Six, uh, 6,930 people die every hour, and 116 people die every second. Every time I do this, 116 people are going into eternity. And the 116 that are going into eternity, every time I do this, are already lost or saved. Once it happens, it's over. Hebrews 9.27 says it's established unto man once to die, then comes judgment. So where's the good news? The good news is Jesus died for us. So if we put our faith in him, we don't have to stand in front of him as a judge. So we have a very urgent call right now because as people are dying so, so quickly, every second, 116 people are going into eternity. We've got to understand that the gospel's now. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 for he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Now watch this. Behold, now. Somebody say now. Now is the accepted time. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, now is the time to know Jesus. If you're not born again, if you have not been forgiven of your sins, if you have not put your faith in what Jesus did, now is the time. There's one thing that I, I would love to see this service interrupted by is where someone said, I need Jesus right now. And we just say the sinner's prayer with you right now. I just want you to know for this year in 2024, just to go on record and make it clear, if you or anybody you know in this service, in any church service, needs to be saved, and they don't want to wait till the end of the service, you just get up and raise your hand and say, I want to be saved, and we'll, we'll lead you to the Lord right now. We won't wait till the service is over. How many know that'll be revival? We won't stop this service for anything, but that we will stop it for. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. We cannot do it with salvation what we do with so many other things in our life where we put it off. There's got to be a sense of urgency. Be Why? Because these people that are dying, every, every second, 116 people, are souls. Souls. And they're going into an eternal place. And how many know that we have a Bible that tells us that there's only two places you can go? I didn't write it. You didn't write it. All we do is read it and preach it. God says you're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. And I just want to remind you this morning, if you're one of those people that say, oh, it's a church that talks about hell, I just want you to understand something. God did not, never intended us to go to hell. We send ourselves to hell by rejecting him, by not accepting his plan of salvation. And, and, and he, 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 the Bible very clearly tells us he made hell for the devil and his fallen angels. So today, we want, to, we want to pull people out of hell and populate heaven. 
That is the call of God for our lives. That is what he's asking us to do. So I just want to look at a few verses here this morning. And before we put it up, uh, I want to give a little bit of background to this. We have the greatest example in the world, and his name is Jesus. There's no greater person that's ever lived, nor will there ever be another person that's lived like him. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the, he's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's awesome. He's amazing. He's powerful. He deserves all glory and all honor and all praise. And he is my Savior. He's my Lord. And I love him. Does anybody else love him? Does anybody else really, really, really love Jesus today? Amen. So he is the reason we're here. He's the king of this church, the leader of this church, the greatest example that ever lived. And he got to this earth for three years of ministry. And the whole time he was here, he had a sense of urgency that he had to heal people and cast out demons and lead people to salvation. And he was always working for the kingdom of God. He was sold out to his call. And if you really become a true Christian a true believer, a true disciple of Jesus, that's what you'll become. Because it is not God's call for us just to come to a church and check a box and say, I went to church and be part of a social club. This is not a social club. This is not a fellowship place alone. This is a soul-winning agency for God. This is a place where we get equipped to go out to the harvest. The harvest is simple. It is people. It's people, period. God's heart is people. You know what? You're people, and I'm people. We're souls. And we've got to get an urgency in our spirit this year to say, whatever I didn't do last year, I've got to do this year. I've got to do more. I, I want to be more in love. I'm, going, I'm coming into my 31st year of being saved, and I want to be more in love with Jesus this year than I've ever been. I want to have more of an urgency to preach his gospel than I've ever had. I want to be more on fire for God than I've ever been. I want to be more in love with Jesus than I've ever been. I want to be a better example than I've ever been, a better leader than I've ever been. I want to touch more lives than I've ever touched. Does anybody want to join me in getting out to the harvest today? So there is a harvest that is just waiting, and we're going to see that in a few scriptures. But right before we get into this, Jesus has been preaching. Jesus has been ministering, and not by coincidence, the disciples get hungry. They say, we need some food. So the disciples go to get food, and Jesus is waiting for the food. And Jesus could have taken a nap, and sometimes he did. Sometimes he took naps during boat problems. But this time he wasn't taking a nap. He went to a well because he was thirsty. And he met this woman, and he began to minister to you. Hopefully you know that story. She goes, she goes, come and meet the man who told me everything I've ever done. She was the one with many wives, her husband, sorry, and the one she was with wasn't her husband. So she walks away. He walks away from her, and the disciples show up with food, and that's where we're going to pick up right here in John chapter 4, verse 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, and leave this for just a second, please. I have food to eat, which you do not know of. In other words, he, he was trying to say, there's nothing on this earth that is more important than what I came here to do. Food is temporary. All these other things are temporary. I, I just want to make this clear this morning. Listen, we all have hobbies. We have things we like. We have things we do. We, we have fun. We fellowship. All that is great, but it has to be secondary to a heart that says, I'm on this earth to make a difference. Some of you in here haven't grasped that yet, and my job today is for you to grasp that, that you can touch somebody I can't touch. You can reach somebody I can't reach. Somebody has your ear that I don't have and vice versa. Some, you might not even think that, 
Wednesday night I mentioned how you have to have somebody else. How many parents are in here? you got young kids, teenagers, older kids. How many know you got to have somebody else be a voice in your kids' ears? A, a godly influence, amen? Because they're going to get the influences. So we, we need help. We need to be able to understand that the, 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 this is why we're here. We're here to make a difference. And so Jesus says, I, I have food to eat that you don't know of. And, of course, he's talking ultimately of his death on the cross. And then it says, therefore, the disciples said to one another, not getting it like so many of us don't sometimes, has anyone brought him something to eat? We went to go get food, and he's already eaten, and they think he's, he's not hungry. He's, he doesn't need food, and they're not getting what he's trying to say. And so he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Now, just leave this up there for just a second. I want you to understand that, again, we have to work. We have to go to school. We have to do, there's a lot of responsibilities that we have in our lives we have to do. And we should do all of them as unto the Lord. Can I get an amen? But nothing should be more important than God and serving God and being an example. When, when I got saved 30 years ago on a Tuesday night at a revival and, and, and I gave my life to Jesus, I did not know that as soon as I gave my life to Jesus that he was going to ask me to leave all my dreams and all my desires and go into the ministry full time. I did not know that was part of the equation. All I was doing was not wanting to go to hell. I said, I'm going to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Jesus got a way out. I accept that, Lord. Yes, change my life. And as I got to that altar, he called me and he said, I want you to preach my gospel. I could have woke up the next day, gone to practice, and then gone the next day to practice, and then gone the next day to practice, and somewhere along the line said, Lord, I'll get back to you on that call thing. But that's not what I did because I understood that the harvest was now. And I went to my coach the next day, and I did go to practice, but I told him, I'm done playing basketball. God's called me to go preach. That's the attitude that we need to have. When, God, when Jesus was walking with his disciples, and he called them, and he said, come follow me, what did they do? They dropped their nets, they dropped what they were doing, and they followed him. They left everything. They, they had a reckless abandon. That doesn't mean everybody in here is going to be a full-time minister. It means that you are working your job, I say this all the time, to be a full-time minister. Your job pays you to be a witness. Your job pays you to be an example. How many want to be an example for God? So my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I don't know about you, but I want to finish. Do you not say, now here's the key, to the whole year, there are still four months and then comes harvest. Because anybody knows it takes time for that seed to grow. He says, don't think that way. Behold, I say to you, these are God's words. How many know God is speaking to us this morning? Not me. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. What are the fields? The world. The fields is your neighborhood. The fields is your family. The fields is your school, your workplace, the gas station, the supermarket. Everywhere you go is your field. He says the fields are ready already. He says they're already ready. Already. I got it in big letters in my notes. Already white for harvest. There's nothing left that needs to be done, church, for Jesus to come back. I think the only reason he hasn't come back yet is he wants his house to be more full. Amen? How many want to be a part of filling up God's house this morning? Praise God. So the harvest is souls, and the souls depend on us. How many could think back 
maybe a year, two years, five years, ten years, however long it's been since your B.C. Everybody know what B.C. is? Before Christ. Where would you have been at 1149 on a Sunday morning? What would you have been doing or what would you have been recuperating from? Right? Before Christ. And think today that the reason that you're sitting in a church service might be because someone dragged you here. Might be because someone coerced you to come. Might be because someone told you to come. But most likely you're here because you chose to come. And you came because at one point somebody in your workplace or in your family or in your school or at a gas station or wherever it was told you about Jesus. Is anybody thankful for that? Somebody thought about you and today you're a soul that is on its way to heaven instead of on its way to hell. The, the harvest depends on us. We cannot listen to a message like this and go, oh, this is great for all those powerful, mighty leaders in this church. Yeah, this is a good message for them. Can't do that. We have to say this message is for me. Can you tell the person next to you and say this, this message is for me? Amen? Let's look at Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. There's a supper coming. Supper. Ooh, that sounds good. Supper. I just like the way that sounds. Supper. I like the way they said it back in the day. Supper time. There's a great supper coming that we can't even imagine. And I'm not saying because we're hungry. I'm saying that we can't imagine what this supper is going to be like. Don't you wish sometimes that God could give us all a vision to see what that supper would look like or to see what hell looks like? If we could just have a little revelation of what those things look like, we would, we would take our walks with God so much, so much more serious. Don't you believe? Amen. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen because it is going to happen. And God is preparing a supper right now. And it says a certain man has a great supper, gave a great supper, that's Jesus, and invited many and sent his servant, that's you and me, at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for now. See that? All things are now ready. That's why the harvest is now But they all with one accord began to do what we are so good at as human beings. Have you ever noticed that you don't have to practice to be a good excuse maker? Lots of things take practice, but making excuses comes naturally. Amen? Don't we? All? We're all guilty. All of us. Every single one of them. No one's exempt. We all are good at putting things off. They all began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground. i got to go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to go test them. I ask that you'd have me excused. Now, right before I read this last part, do you think if those people could have had a vision of what that supper looked like, they would have asked to be excused. No way. This is where I'm at right now in my spirit of trying to teach you guys this year and preach to you and grow you and disciple you. And if you miss Wednesday night, please be here this Wednesday. This place was just like this on Wednesday. Lots of people here. We started a series called Stepping Stone or Stumbling Block. And what it's really getting to, what the real meat of it is, is it's in the same message as today, is do you really love Jesus? 
Do you really, really love Jesus? Do you really have a relationship with Jesus? Or, again, are you just a religious person who has learned how to be churchy and learned how to go through the motions and, and look the part? Can you, can you understand what I'm trying to say? Because if we could truly get an understanding of what that supper was like, we would if we had a relationship with Jesus because we would know his heart and his heart would tell us that it's a good thing and that we want to be there and we wouldn't do anything to miss it if we really, really, really love Jesus. How many want to get to that place where you really, really love Jesus that way? Where you would never make an excuse to Jesus. You might make it to other people, but you would never do that to God. Say, God, time out. I'm busy. Imagine that. Can you imagine if I told any of you today that Jesus was coming to your house at a certain time? Can you imagine you would ever miss him coming to your house? Is there anything in this world that would keep you? A game, a, a meal, a, a, a job, a situation that would keep you from being at that house at that time that Jesus was going to show up to your house? You'd be a fool, Right? Yet we do it all the time to Jesus, literally, when he's constantly calling us to step up and, and, and seize the harvest, and we make excuses. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported. The angels are reporting to, to Jesus, to the master, and the master begins to get angry, frustrated. Have you ever, how many good cooks are in here, by the way? How many can cook? Now the person that's around them, is that true? All right, because I, I have a lot of people in this church that tell me they can cook, but I've never tasted their food, so I don't believe them. Right? I don't, I, I don't believe till I taste it myself. But if you've ever prepared a meal, now listen, I'm, I, you know me, I don't, I could, I'll burn water. I, don't, I have some talents, but cooking is not one of them, but I will definitely eat your food. And tell you if it's good or not. I'm a food connoisseur. So let, bring it on. Amen? But just not right now. But have you ever prepared a meal, spent time, really spent time on that meal, and prepared it for somebody, and they didn't show up? Or they were late? Were you happy? Absolutely not. God has prepared something so amazing for us. And all he wants us to do is take it serious and realize that it's good. And he doesn't want to hear excuses. So he gets a little angry and says, okay, these people that, I, that I've prepared the meal for don't want it. So he says, now, go, to the, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. That means go get the people nobody wants. How many know we got to have a heart for everybody? Especially the people that nobody wants. People that are different from us. People that don't look like us, act like us, talk like us, smell like us. We've got to have a heart for those people, amen? To reach the lost today, no matter who they are. I'll never forget when I was first saved, I went to a church meeting and heard a very successful, good pastor of a large church, soul-winning church, in Phoenix, Arizona, that had buses. They would bus the, the, the poor in. They would bus the, uh, the, the sick in. They, would, they had bus kids in. There was an amazing ministry. But in the same ministry, they had a, a, a bunch of millionaires and billionaires. Lots of finances. My aunt and uncle know who I'm talking about. Lots of finances. And so he got interviewed one time. 
and, and they said, how do you do this? How do you have such poor people in your church, and then at the same time you've got all these millionaires and billionaires, and you guys have all these finances to do everything you want to do for the ministry? And he gave a simple answer I'll never forget. He said, I go after the people nobody wants, and God gives me the people everybody wants. Isn't that a great principle? So if we go after people that are hard and difficult and that people don't want, God, that's what Matthew 6.33 is. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Is there anybody in here that could testify with me today that when you put God first and you start to serve the Lord and think about the things of God, he does amazing things in your life. You're in a church right now where people are in this place that serve in everything. And I love that because it's a great example of the way our home church was. When I first came in to our home church and I saw how it functioned and how it worked, I see that in our church. We have people that are here who could pretty much live here. They don't get paid anything. They, they, they come because they love the Lord. They're, they'll be here right now. They'll be here tonight when we start our first Spanish service. But for the glory of God, amen, we're going to reach out to the Hispanics and the Spanish. They'll be here Wednesday. They'll be in a small group. They were here last night for youth. They were here on Friday for breakaway. Some people say, oh, that's, so, that's radical. Shouldn't we be radical for God? Because right now while you're saying, oh, that's radical, you're the one that goes to the game and paints your ha half your face a certain color for a team that's never given you a dime. All I get out of my teams is heartache. Amen. God, God gives me teams to keep me humble. Amen. Y'all know what I'm saying? Or people go to a concert and worship and lift up somebody. We do so many things for something that's so worthless. Why can't we be radical for God? Why shouldn't we be radical for God? Why shouldn't we spend all of our time around God's people doing God's things? When many of you, before you got saved, you were at every party. Oh, got quiet right there, didn't it? Even the people you didn't like, you showed up to their parties because there was free alcohol and drugs. Right? Why wouldn't we do more for Jesus? Amen? Amen? I'm, I, I do like sports. I've said this a million times, but there's some new, new people here. I like sports. I watch sports to this day. Sports don't have me, though. I enjoy it. I appreciate the sports. I, matter of fact, it made me a good disciple playing sports. But the, I, I learned a long time ago, I'd never be more excited for a team than I am for Jesus. Amen? Amen. We need to get excited about the things of God. We need to understand that there is a supper waiting, and he is telling us, go out and get the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Go get them all. Bring them in. I'm, I'm ready for them. The servant said, Master, it's done as you commanded. But listen, there's still room. There's still room at this altar this morning. There's still room in heaven this morning. Amen? There's still room, he says. And then he says, then go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. That's our job. we got to go and tell them. So he says that my house may be filled. If you truly believe, listen to me closely, if you truly believe in this gospel message, you should tell people about it. Get around somebody. Get around somebody for a little while and see what their passion is. Because you'll know within a few minutes. Our passion should be Jesus. Doesn't mean we can't have other things that we do in our lives, but people should go, okay, that person's sold out. Jesus is their Lord and their Savior. Amen? Let me give you one more verse this morning. Matthew chapter 9. 
So Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness. Thank God for that. Every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, and this is what we need right now, church, he was moved with compassion for them. You want, to, you want to know if you're right with God this morning? You want to know if you have a real relationship with God? You want to know if you're really born again? People will move you. You won't be able to look at somebody and not be bothered by their situation. Doesn't mean you have the answer. Doesn't mean you can fix. I learned a long time ago to stay sane. I can't fix everybody. I can't meet everybody's need. I can't heal everybody. But you know what goes a long way? Compassion. I used to, lots of people in this church know this saying. I, I, believe, I don't have a whole lot of sayings. It's one of the ones I love the most. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Compassion and care goes a long ways. How many know when you get around someone, you can tell if they truly care? We need to have the heart of God. Jesus died for that person that drives you nuts. Jesus died for that person that maybe they're a scammer, but they're underneath the bridge holding a sign up. And I have to fight that myself. They have a need. They're a soul. Every person is a soul. And every person deserves salvation. He had compassion on them. So whatever matters to Jesus should matter to me. Amen? So it says they had compassion. And I'm going to ask the musicians to come, please. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, here it is. The harvest is, here's the problem. The harvest is truly plentiful. There's lots. Now, why are we planting more churches? There's, there's 10 churches in Gainesville because there's lots of people who aren't saved. As long as there are people who are not saved, we're going to plant churches. Amen? Every city. This city, other cities, we're going to keep planting churches. We're going to keep trying to reach the lost. That's our heart. That's not a, that's the, by the way, that's not a cliche. So, some people might say that to say it. That's our heart. I don't know about you, that's my heart. My heart is souls. Every morning, my my greatest prayer during this fast has been God give us converts. Converts. You know what converts are? New believers. New believers. And, And Lord, bring back those backsliders. Bring back those people who've gone the wrong direction. But we need converts. We don't need transfer growth. Praying for all these churches that are out there. God, give them converts. Give them rough people, tough people, people who have been down and out, people who have no hope that can turn around. If I began to pass this microphone around right now and you began to hear the testimonies of the people in this church, you wouldn't believe what some of the people in this church have been through and been rescued from and been saved from. There's a whole bunch more people like you out there that need to be saved just like you. Let's go get them. Let's go get the harvest. It's plentiful, but what's the problem? The laborers are few. This has been true for 2,000 years. It's true today. Why aren't we, why aren't we winning the world? Because too many people are making excuses. And you know what we do? They'll do it. That super duck, that super great spiritual leader over there, that family, that couple, they'll do it. Well, that's okay, but what I want to end with is this. How's that going to work when you stand before God? My job, because see, I'm fulfilling my call. I'm not saying I'm fulfilling it perfect. Of course not, but I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I've answered my call. 
I spent the last 30 years of my life trying to be totally sold out to Jesus. Not perfect, but tried my best. He's had my heart. What I'm trying to get you to do is stand before Jesus one day and have something to give back to the Lord. I'm not working now on my call. I'm working on yours. I want to help you fulfill your call. I want to help push you into your destiny. The greatest joy for me is to see you do something for God. I'm doing mine. And your, your greatest desire should be to multiply yourself and see other people get saved and other people change their lives. Next verse, last verse here. So what do we got to do? What we're going to do right now? We got to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Because the only person that can change your heart and give you the compassion of Jesus is God himself. I can stand up here and preach a, a, a message from my heart, and I can beg, and I can ask, and I can say, let's go. But the one who's going to speak to your heart is the Holy Spirit, and he's going to nudge you, and he's going to say, what will you give back to Jesus? What will you give back to him? He's give, how, many, how many believe this morning that, that you've got some talents? How many here got some talents? You know, you know you've got some talents. God's given you a talent. Are you using that talent for the glory of God? And there, there's some gifts in here of talent and gifts of God that he gives. Some are God-given at birth, and others come by being saved, and you praying for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate in your life. Gifts you might not even know you have or could have. What are you doing with that? One day he'll... The Bible says he'll hold us accountable. We say, I gave you five. What would you do with them? Lord, I got five more. Enter in, good and faithful servant. Lord, you gave me two. Here's two more. I multiplied. Enter in, good and faithful servant. Lord, you gave me one. I hid it. That person didn't enter in, good and faithful servant. I don't want anybody in here ever to face that. I want you to get busy for Jesus. Do something for God. And, and feel the joy of serving the King of Kings. Father, this morning, thank you for your spirit that's here right now that is transmitting into the live stream, going into the podcast, touching hearts all across this congregation right now, ministering to people's lives. You're speaking right now to many people. And Lord, the most important thing I hope you're speaking, first and foremost, is that every single person in this place would know you as their Lord and Savior. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning for just a few minutes, just a moment, I want you to do an examination of your heart. And I want you to ask yourself, if I stood before God right now, what would I have to say to him? And would I be saved? Or would I stand before him as a sinner in, in judgment today? Jesus died already on the cross. He already paid the price. He already took your place. All you have to do is accept that and believe it. So today there's a, there may be a harvest right here of people in this place that have never met Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You may be mad at God. You may have had things happen to you. You may have had a horrible example in your life. There, there's all kinds of equations that could be here. But the truth is that Jesus loves you this morning. How many from front to back and side to side could be honest with God today and say, Pastor, would you pray for me I want Jesus to change my life today. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. All across this place, I see your hand. How many more? Quickly, I see your hand. How many more? 
I want Jesus to change my life. I see your hand. How many more? This is not a church membership thing. This is the God of this world, the creator of this universe, knows your name. He knew you before you were born. He knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. And his plan and his purpose is good. The Bible says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Good thoughts. Not thoughts of evil to give you an expected end. How many more honest hearts today? I, I'm, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for you. I know I'm saved today because I believe what Jesus did on the cross for my sins. I have confessed my sins, and my sins are as far as the east is from the west today. But maybe you're not. And you're the reason the doors are open today. How many more? Just put your hand up. We're going to move in a different direction. I need Jesus. Let's stand across this place. I see your hand. God bless you. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but something's telling you right now, I got to make a decision today. Does everybody in here agree that we don't have any idea what's going to happen tomorrow? Be here today alive, our, our hearts beating. Everybody just take a big, deep breath. God gave you that breath just now. Put your hand on your heart. Every time that heart beats, that's from God. And just as quickly as he gave that heartbeat to you, it can stop. And then we're not here anymore. We're not, we're not alive anymore. We're, we're now in what's eternity, forever. And we're going to one place or another. We can, we can argue that all day long. You know, there's, there's millions of people today that don't believe that, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true. Out of sight, I don't believe that. They'll be there. Where will you spend eternity? God says you can spend it with him. He paid your price. He can heal the leukemia in your blood today. He can take the disease away right now. He says all you got to do is believe on him. How many right now at this moment, we're going to pray with those that are watching online, listening on the podcast, maybe someone six months from now listening. Just say, I need Jesus right now. You're here and if you died right now, if your heartbeat died, if you were the one of those 114 every second, and you died right now and you're not sure you'd stand before God as your Savior, I want you to step out of your seat and come down to this altar. Quickly, just step out and come. All over this place. If you're not sure, if you're staying at your seat, then you're sure. And that's okay. But I want to make sure everybody's sure this morning. Amen? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Angels are rejoicing, Richard. Amen. Amen. How many more? How many more? Quickly, you're not sure. Just come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Richard, you repeat this after me, okay, from your heart, all right? And you all do it with me. And everybody that's online, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. I am a sinner. I make mistakes. I fall short of your glory. You're too good of a God for me. But you say in your word that if I believe in you, you will forgive me of all my sins. Please wash me clean in your precious blood. I believe 
You are Lord, Savior, and King. Come into my life. Change me and transform me and make me a new person. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.